0: time to time, it would seem like it would be helpful just to do a little bit of uh, self-examination. Just kind of maybe ask some questions about my own life, just to see where I am, see how I'm doing. Because if you never examine yourself, if you never examine what you're doing, then you'll never really identify any changes that might need to be made. And if you never make any changes, it's like the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing the same way, but expecting different results. That's just nonsense. If you never make any changes, if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. That's just a truth in, in multiple contexts. So I need to ask some questions of myself. I need to check up in my heart, in my mind, my motivations, my attitudes, make sure I still match up with God's Word. And so I have to ask myself some tough questions. And not everybody wants to do this because I've noticed um, in multiple different um, environments, and perhaps you've noticed this too, it seems to me that in more and more ways, people in general just don't want to take responsibility for their own actions there's no accountability in life like everybody's a victim everybody needs to find somebody else to blame for the condition they're in when most of the times if they just look in the mirror they'll find the person to blame right you can't say amen you ought to say ouch because that's just the truth and so people don't want to ask these questions. I don't want to ask myself these questions. Let me give, just roll off some questions here that I don't want to ask myself. First of all, am I sure that I belong to the Lord Jesus? What's my relationship like with God? What's the status of my relationship? Am I spending consistent time reading the Bible? Am I spending consistent time in prayer? Do I really believe the Bible is completely true? Have I made it my goal in life to be obedient to God's Word regardless of the consequence? Why do I attend church? Is my involvement in the life of the church a high priority in my life and the life of my family? Am I using my spiritual gifts to serve the body of Christ? And if not, why not? What's my true motivation For serving in the church. Do I really want to serve or do I want somebody to pat me on the back and tell me good job? What's going on in my heart? Right? Because I can put on a good act. I can present a, a good image. But that doesn't mean it's true. Right? Because nobody in this room knows what's in my heart except for me and the Lord Jesus. So I can I can play the part. I can be holy. But am I, really? Those are the kinds of questions I have to ask myself if I'm if I'm serious about my Christian faith, if I'm serious about life. Those are the things I have to be willing to ask myself. And not just ask, but I have to answer honestly. I have to do my best to be objective and not just rationalize and just say, oh, Well, I'm, I'm all right. I'm doing all right. I can't take the uh, my proverbial trip to Walmart at 2 in the morning just to make myself feel better about myself. You know, Well, I'm, I might be not be doing great, but I'm not doing as bad as those folks over there. Right? That's... That doesn't serve a purpose. So today is kind of like I said last week. It's a it's a series within a series because we're going through the Gospel of Matthew, but today and the next two weeks are addressing three specific issues having to do with righteousness, but having to do with different expressions of righteousness. And so we're going to only read four verses today, and the first verse is going to govern this week and the next two weeks. So verse 1 is going to apply for the next three weeks, counting today. So let me read these four verses. Let's see what Jesus says as He's right in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. And He's talking about righteousness. On the heels, by the way, of last three weeks ago, I guess, when we were last in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. You are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Right? We need a better righteousness. Here's what Jesus says. Chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So, when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Father, I pray today In Jesus' name, that you will speak clearly to us, help us understand, help us obey, for your glory and our good, for the sake of Christ, amen. Only four verses, seems pretty straightforward, but as we read and as we try to understand, I want us to focus in on that first verse because the first verse is going to be the governing factor for today and the next 2 weeks be careful so that's really our first point number 1 beware beware and so that be be careful be cautious be wary watch out watch out for what well the bible says in verse 1 be careful about practicing your righteousness before men. So what you're doing is you're doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Okay? So it's not the, the issue is not the action. The issue is the motivation. Right? Which, which is in your heart. Right? And, and here's what I thought. This, this was so interesting to me because of yesterday, because we had a chance to serve. And he, I'll just tell you this. I'm going to confess myself. I have a habit of I like people to know what's going on. Right? So here's what I thought when I was looking back over all this last night and I'm thinking to myself, hmm, do I do I have a problem? Is there something in my heart, in my motivation that's wrong? Because, you know, it wasn't just me. It was a, a group of people serving yesterday. And, and it was a good thing. Um, and I like to... Put things out on social media let people know in the church. You know, here's what's going on, and and especially for us for next month, I want to encourage you come be a part of that, right? But I had to double check myself because I thought, hmm, why did I, why did I really put that out there? Was part of me wanting other people to know that I was there doing something? Because if that was the case, then I, I need to ask forgiveness for that because that's wrong. If it was if it was uh, genuine to say I just want people to know that this is happening this is a great ministry come be a part of it especially y'all hey May twentieth eight to eleven come be a part of it but if if any part of me even if I even if it's subconscious even if it's kind of subtle if, if part of me is saying hey guess where I was yesterday morning come you know that's that's wrong, and and it's seductive. Put it on social media, you know. Because if it's not on, if it's not on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook or Snapchat or TikTok, you know, it doesn't really count. You didn't really do it. If you, you know, it's like so. I, so I, I know pastor friends, and, I, and I'm guilty. I've done it. I've done it. Not in a while, but I've done it. Um, I'm gonna sit in a coffee shop. I'm gonna strategically position my cup of coffee and my Bible and a couple of books. You know, look at me, snap a picture. Off studying the Word, in, you know, everybody look, look what I'm doing. Now they might not be doing it for that purpose. They might just be, you know, thankful for that they had an opportunity to do that, and that's great. I'm not gonna judge somebody's motives, but guess what? I'm studying the Bible out in a public place. Everybody can see me. Look, look what I'm doing. I'm holier than you are. Is that our motivation? Do I want people to see what I'm doing? Or do I just want to do? Because I know it makes God smile. What's my motivation? Be careful about practicing your righteousness before men. Because what's the purpose? Verse 1. To get noticed by people. That's the purpose. What's the result? Verse 1, you have no reward with your Father who's in heaven. See, so you can do the right thing for the wrong reason and no reward. It's as if you didn't do it. In fact, in fact, it's worse than if you didn't do it. Because you did it under false pretense. Bad motivation. So your heart was, was messed up. So now you might think, okay, um, what about... Just several weeks ago when we were in chapter 5 of the same sermon, right? Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Well, back if I recall, back in chapter 5 in verse 16, Jesus said, let your light shine this way before men so they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So is that a contradiction? Jesus said, let your light shine so they can see your good works. Here he's saying, don't, don't do it in front of people to get noticed. So what's the deal? It's the motivation. It's what's in your heart. You have two distinct scenarios. Matthew 5.16 is talking about the character of a believer. Let your light shine before men. The immediate context, right out of the Beatitudes, describing the heart of a Christian. So the character of the Beatitudes in a Christian produces good works, and what's the purpose? Glorify your Father who's in heaven. Remember, Jesus did not say let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and give you a bunch of compliments and pat you on the back. That's not what it said. He said glorify your Father who's in heaven. So the glory is going to God. But in Matthew six one, it's talking about specific religious activity so the principle is applying specifically to Today, giving. Next week, praying. The week after that, fasting. The immediate context is the first 18 verses here in chapter 6. It's a broader message, uh, all the way really down to verse 19, where it says, Don't store up for yourself treasure on earth, but store up for yourself treasure in heaven. Verse 21, hope you know this one. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? That's the context of this teaching. So, it's not a contradiction. It's two dis- distinct scenarios. But there's one common purpose. Matthew 5.16 Glorify your Father who's in heaven. Matthew 6.1 6.4 6.18 6, 6, Your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Why are we really doing the things we do? Is it for other people to notice? Here's what it should be. I don't care if anybody sees what I'm doing. God knows what I'm doing. If I'm, if I'm out in the middle of nowhere at somebody's house and they're not even home, and I'm all by myself and I'm digging ditches or building a deck or a ramp or fixing a light fixture, whatever it is. If I'm all by myself and I'm doing something for somebody and nobody's ever going to see it but me, God sees it. And God knows what's in my heart. And He knows whether or not I'm doing it for the, the praise of men. Why do, you think, why do you think people want to do good things but want to remain anonymous? It's not that they don't want to do good. They want to do good. It's in their heart to do good. But they're not after the compliments. Because you know what they know? If not another human being knows, God knows. God knows your heart. So when you do something kind for someone, but you intentionally remain anonymous, God is not blind to that. Because He knows what's in your heart. Let me read you this quote from John Stott. This is, this is beautiful. He says, "...it's our human cowardice which made Jesus say, let your light shine before men." And it's our human pride which made Jesus say, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men. Our good works have to be public so our light shines. Our religious devotions have to be secret lest we brag about them. Besides, the end of both instructions of Jesus is the same, namely, the glory of God. Why are we to keep our piety or our religion secret? It's in order that glory may be given to God rather than men. Why are we to let our light shine and do good works in the open? It's that men may glorify our Heavenly Father. See, in both cases, we want the glory to go to God and not to us. And that should be our attitude and our motivation in everything we do. So that first point, that first verse, beware, be careful, be cautious of your heart. Cautious of your motivation. Number two, give. Give. Share. When, not if. Look at the text. When you give. He says it twice if you're you're looking. Verse 2 and verse 3. When you give to the poor. But when you give to the poor. Not if you decide to give to the poor. You know what that means? This is an expectation of Christian living. is caring, sharing, helping. It's a subtle way to show those expectations of Christian generosity. Back in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 42, if you flip back just a little bit, that when Jesus is talking about you've heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say don't resist an evil person. Turn the other cheek. Give the extra coat. Go the extra mile. Verse 42, give to him who asks. Do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. It's a general attitude of caring, sharing, generosity. Now, it doesn't mean you just indiscriminately just give to anybody and everybody because sometimes you get taken advantage of. Right? But with Christian wisdom, discernment, we try to meet genuine needs. Right? That's that's what we should be doing. And so, that's what Jesus is teaching. When you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet. The hypocrites in the synagogues in the streets do that, and they do that. Why? Don't sound a trumpet before you. In other words, don't make a big production out of it the hypocrites do this because what's the purpose so they can be honored by men what's the result they have their reward in full what's that mean they have no reward in heaven that's the translation when you when you read that in verse 2 Jesus is is not being completely uh, explicit in what he's saying but you can you can understand the meaning pretty clearly when he says truly I say to you they have their reward in full. In other words, whatever compliments, whatever praise you get from men and women and whomever, whatever, you, whatever compliments you get, you better enjoy them. Because that's all there is. Nothing waiting for you in heaven for that. In fact, just the opposite. Just the opposite. When that's our motivation, look at the language he uses. This is what the hypocrites do in the synagogues, in the streets. You know, I had somebody tell me one time they didn't want to come to church because it's filled with hypocrites. You know what I told them? And there's always room for one more. Come on down. They're everywhere. Yeah. Everybody's a hypocrite. Okay? Just to clear that up, everybody's a hypocrite. At some point, on some level, everybody's a hypocrite. And by the way, the church is for sinners. I don't know about you, but I don't have all my stuff together. I need Jesus. Don't sound a trumpet. Don't make a big production. Don't intentionally act like a hypocrite because those that do that in the synagogues and the streets, they want to be honored by men, so they have their reward in full. They have no reward waiting for them in heaven. Verse 3 But when you give to the poor, you see that little conjunction there, the contrast? But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Your giving will be secret. What's the purpose behind that? Don't draw attention to yourself doing something that is expected of a Christian. It's not like extra, extra righteousness, right? Um, Years ago, I want to say, um, gosh, maybe 15 years ago, I should have looked at the publication date to have this exactly right, but I wasn't really planning on saying this. Uh, David Platt wrote a book called Radical a number of years ago. And he was talking about how certain activities and practices in the Christian life would be seen by the rest of the world as radical behavior. And someone, uh, meaning to be um, not disagreeing but uh, encouraging, wrote a review about his book and said, I think you got the title wrong. He called it radical. And his point was, living like a true biblical Christian will be radical compared to the world. Okay, so that makes sense. But this, this person who reviewed the book said, I think the title's wrong because that's not radical Christianity, that's normal Christianity. All these things that the world would look at and think, good gracious are you some kind of Jesus freak, this radical that's thats what the Bible says, that's normal. Why do, why do we think this righteous behavior follow, actually following the word why would we think as Christians that that's for some reason, abnormal. That's what we're supposed to do. Why are we looking for an extra special pat on the back? We're just doing what's normal, what's typically required of people who are following Jesus. And so this purpose here, verse 3, when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so your giving will be in secret. Don't draw extra attention to yourself for doing something that is just expected as normal. And what's the result? Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What's the meaning? Your full reward is in heaven. Listen, if all we are living for is a few compliments on this earth, then we are, our priorities are really out of whack. Because we could go, we, we could live a life of obscurity, just completely anonymous. We might not ever, we might live to serve and be behind the scenes and never get a big pat on the back from anybody on this earth. But, you know what's, Waiting for that Christian? Those seven words that every one of us longs to hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Can, can anything that anybody says on this earth ever compare with that? Would you trade a life of fame and um, accolades for that? Not in a million years. I wouldn't trade anything for those words. Those are the words everyone should long to hear. So this principle, I want to just restate this to be sure for the coming two weeks. This principle in in chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Beware. Otherwise you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. What is our motivation? You know, in, in John chapter 12 and verse 37, there's a really interesting commentary. And you can note that if you'd like to look at it later. But I'm going to tell you what happens. John chapter 12, verse 37. There's a, a people that watched Jesus perform many different signs in their presence. And the, But here's what the Bible says about this, this group. It says, they were not believing in Him. And as we continue on reading, we understand this was a fulfillment of a portion of Isaiah's prophecy. But the interesting part of the Scripture is what happened in verses 42 and 43 of that same chapter, John 12, in 42 and 43, despite the fact that many of the people did not believe in Jesus, the Bible says, listen to this, this is, this is insane, nevertheless, many of the rulers believed in Him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing Him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. You know, and you know what the Bible says? The reason why they wouldn't do that? For they loved the glory of men rather than the glory of God. They were too concerned about these religious establishment people liking them. And, and they, they wanted to be part of the club. So they really were—they were believing in Jesus, but they wouldn't confess Him in front of men because they didn't want to be kicked out of the club. They loved the glory of men more than the glory of God. It's exactly why Jesus says in Matthew six one, beware. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. I want to leave you with a quote from a martyr named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. In his classic book, The Cost of Discipleship, here's what he wrote. If we would allow, or if we would follow Jesus, we must take certain definite steps. The first step, which follows the call, cuts the disciple off from his previous existence. The call to follow at once produces a new situation. To stay in the old situation makes discipleship impossible. So if we want to grow as disciples of Christ, if we want to help others grow as disciples of Christ, if we want to accomplish the great commission of the Lord Jesus, we have to take decisive steps to follow Jesus. We have to go back and think about what Jesus said in Luke 9 and verse 23. From there to verse 27, if If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. It's it's a new situation. You can't can't have one foot in both worlds. You're either following Jesus... Or you're not following Jesus, but you're not going to grow in your relationship with Jesus if you're still trying to keep one foot in your old life. You remember? You remember what Paul wrote in Second Corinthians five seventeen? If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold new things have come. I don't know about you, but I I want to be I want to be new. I want to be new in Jesus. And, and I've got to I've got to let the old stuff go away. As hard as it may be, I got to let the old stuff go. Because the new stuff's so much better. So much better. Let me pray.